Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast sponsored by Big O Tires. It is Wednesday, September 25th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. On today's episode, we cover the essential Patrick Mahomes topics. Actually, he does at his weekly press conference at the Chiefs training facility. Later, Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, stops by, and we discuss the latest bombshell story, Kansas getting the notice of allegations from the NCAA, which includes seven level one violations, five for men's basketball. All this and more on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. Patrick, do we make too much of a big deal about playing in a dome? You've played in one a few times. Is there a tangible difference in things you can do better in a dome? Um, I think other than if it's like raining or, or snowing outside, then I, I don't think it makes too big of a difference. Uh, I know when it gets out there, you still have to play football. You still have to make the throws. And uh, uh, I've played in it a couple times, and, I mean, it feels like just any other football game. Pat, I know you've played with uh, Darrell Williams for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Did you learn anything about him? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily learned. I mean, I already knew that. I mean, he was a, he's a playmaker. He's a guy that when he gets his opportunities, he makes plays. And you saw it a little bit at the end of last season whenever he uh, he got in the game and he was ready to go after not playing really the whole season until then. And then now uh, him getting in, he just, he's always prepared. He always makes sure that he's ready to go. And when he gets opportunity, he, he makes the most of it. Patrick, on the play with Cole where he's wide open, it seemed like maybe you kind of anticipated that he would be open. And once the defense off, and you kind of just – um, not necessarily. I actually was thinking about throwing uh, Sammy over the middle, and that, that was kind of my first read. And as I went to throw it to him, I saw the safety jump jump him, so I just shot it right over his head to McColl. And so as that just goes goes through the progression of the read. I mean, you you know where you're thinking uh, off off the before the snap, but you have to play it out when the snap goes and take what the defense gives you. Now, what has uh, Lashawn McCoy meant to the team both on and off the field since he, he's gotten here? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he fit in perfectly, first off. I mean, his his mentality, his attitude, I mean, he's a guy who loves this game. He loves playing playing football with guys that love playing it with him. And so uh, for him, he's, he's added that veteran veteran leadership, of course, of being here, and he, he knows how to go out there and have success. Uh, but he's someone that has added a, another guy in the locker room that you can you can really uh, gel with and have a lot of success with. Is there, is there any factor that you've noticed this year to last year where if you're watching film with an opponent, it seems to come quicker to you in terms of just sort of seeing how they maybe scheme against a similar opponent before facing you. Yeah, I think just seeing stuff that they've done either to us in the the past or like you said, similar opponents. It, it helps me just knowing that I've seen those looks before and I understand what the defense is trying to get you to do and in order to make a mistake. And so just being able to eliminate those uh, before you even hit the field is something that uh, I feel like I've picked up on faster this season. Along those same lines, Patrick. Obviously. The- the Lions come off a game where they played the Eagles. Eagles, mm-hmm. Doug Peterson coming from the Andy Reid tree. What, what, what's jumped out about you when you looked at that Lions defense and how they, they defended against the Eagles offense? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they played physical football. They, they play a lot of man coverage. They, they really got up in everybody's face, and then they, they stopped the run game for the most part. And I think the biggest thing they did against the Eagles was they capitalized on turnovers, and, and I think that was a big thing that they, they focus on is trying to get that ball out, if it's interceptions or if it's trying to strip the ball from the, the guys running with it. Uh, that's a big thing that they, they capitalize on, and so we're going to try to protect the ball and move the ball down the field. 
Yeah, I mean, he's getting more and more comfortable every single week. Uh, I mean, that's what happens when you're in this offense. I mean, Coach Reed throws a lot at you, and so for, for a while you're kind of trying to figure it out and play, but he's he's picking up stuff fast, not making the same mistakes, and I think the more he picks up, the faster you can see him play on the field. What's it like for you a week like this when you're studying a phone that you haven't faced before? Everyone you faced earlier this year, you played last year. What's that kind of first look at a team like? Does it change your week at all from studying? Not necessarily. I mean, um, the thing with uh, playing this opponent is, I mean, we've played the Patriots a couple times, and, and Patricia was there that, that my rookie season uh, with the Patriots. So you're able to look back at stuff they did against us then and then all the way to the stuff they do now versus the teams that play similar offenses that we that we have, and so I think just preparing that way. I mean, obviously, when you get to the field, it'll be a little different, not being a team that you've played before. But I'm still preparing myself in order to have success whenever I get out there. Looking back at the tape, it, it kind of seemed like you were a little bit more uh, animated and demanding of some of your offensive teammates. Is that a comfort thing, or just where are you at as far as is that something you developed over over the year? Now, feel comfortable maybe this year instead of last year. Just where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I just you just want to have success on every single play, and that's something that I think we have as as a team is we we hold each other accountable. It's not just me uh, saying stuff to those guys. I mean, they'll say stuff to me if if I do something wrong, and 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 if you have that type of chemistry and you can talk to each other in that way and still respect each other and still love each other, then that's when you get the best out of each other. Pat, you talked about uh, Hardman's touchdown after the game, and you called it the Tyreek effect. So when you threw the ball, you knew that was six? Yeah, once he got in his hand, <laughs> I knew there was a pretty good chance he was getting there. So, I mean, he's a, he's a fast guy. He, he plays really good with the ball. He gets the ball in his hand. So uh, just trying to get the ball to all those guys. And usually when they break it, it's, it's pretty much all over. The, the Lions have a guy who I think you two had an issue when you were in school, when you played in college. Are you guys good now, or, or do you anticipate any problems with him on Sunday? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was an issue. I mean, he just kind of knocked me out. <laughs> but uh, he, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, it was. A, he's a great player, uh, Quandre. I'm actually friends with him now, and uh, it, it's something where, uh, in the heat of the moment, there might have been a little issue. But I mean, when it comes to football, I mean, we're still the guys that come from Texas that love playing this game. It seemed like there was some stuff on Twitter after that. Yeah, but that's just a rivalry. I mean, it's Texas versus Texas Tech. I mean, we, we, we get to beat them every now and then. So whenever we do, we like to puff our chest out a little bit. Well, ben, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a big national push by you in the Dome. Is there anything that you'll change preparation-wise? No, not no, not at all. I mean, we we practice inside, and I've played a few games inside before, and we played preseason last year inside. So I mean, you just prepare like if it's any other football game, and I think that's how you do, regardless if you're in the dome, if it's snowing, if it's raining, you just have to make sure that you're ready to have success with whatever the elements or the circumstances are. Do you know any difference? Do you see any difference from your receivers? I mean, they're always fast. So, I mean, it, it, I don't know. They might be a little bit faster, but, uh, I mean, it's hard to beat the speed they already have. Patrick, what do you remember five years ago, June, when you got drafted by the Tigers? I know you tweeted out that you're going to Lubbock, but what was that night like? Yeah, it, it was it was cool. I was actually already in in Lubbock when I got drafted, and they called me and congratulated me. They they pretty much knew that I was I was going to play football at that at that point. But uh, it was still an awesome opportunity to get that I don't know you say accomplishment of, of having that my whole entire life. And I appreciate them for for giving me that chance. And how was the how was the concert going experience? Uh, Sunday night? No, it was cool. Uh, so uh, I had been in touch with those guys before, and uh, for to see them in concert, I mean, it was it was awesome. They were they were going they were going hard the whole time. It was I probably couldn't hear for the next day, I guess, because it was so loud. But uh, I mean, those those guys have, have had a lot of success for a long time now, so I was glad to be a part of that. How hard is it to do that on day of a game? I mean, were you, were you pretty wiped out? 
Yeah, I mean, but it's a little bit better when you win. So I, I was, I might have not made it there if we'd have lost the game. But since we won, I, I was still in a good mood. If you had to start a boy band with some of your teammates, who would it be in line? I mean, obviously Travis. I mean, that, that's a, he's the lead singer. He's the, he's the guy that guy that gets everybody going. And then uh, I don't know, a Brashad Breeland maybe. So someone like that. That part about the Jonas Brothers, we asked that specifically for Kathy Lou, our producer, who was all agog when she heard about Patrick Mahomes attending the Jonas Brothers concert Sunday night at Sprint Center. Hey, we're going to take a break and be back right after this. When it comes to saving big on tires, do the math at Big O Tires. Start by saving $100 instantly on sets of four Big O brand tires with paid installation purchase. Then receive an additional $50 by mail-in rebate on qualifying purchases using your Big O Tires credit card. Add it all up and you can save as much as $150. The tires you need, the savings you want. Only at Big O Tires, the team you trust. Hurry, sale ends October 13th. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm reading the front page of Tuesday's Kansas City Star uh, stripped across the top of A1. self comma, KU accused of major NCAA violations, semicolon, plan to fight. Jesse Newell, your name is at the top of this story, Dateline Lawrence, and it is a uh, major story involving the Jayhawks, one that we knew was coming. It's not a surprise. In fact, I think Kansas probably had it over the weekend, and uh, and we, we got it on Monday but you broke it, and uh, and you and you reported Friday that it was coming. So here it is, and it's not good uh, for Kansas. Not good news. I'll just uh, go over a couple of the highlights here that uh, that you reported, and it involves level one violations that are the worst in you know on, on the punishment matrix. The worst of the worst. Yeah, uh, those lead to the the, the most uh, severe punishments uh, in in the NCAA. And of course, Bill Self and Curtis Townsend are um, are, are in, involved in this as well. You know, it's not the question isn't what's going to happen. We'll t- we'll try to speculate on uh, on what might happen to Kansas. I think where we should start though is how did this occur? What what led to this? And it starts two years ago uh, this month. Does it not with the uh, with the, with the press conference in New York City? Uh, the, the the FBI announces that it is investigating college basketball, and at that moment, Kansas wasn't implicated. Um, several, I think we, we heard at the time that uh, ten schools, dozen schools, something like that, were were going to be uh, charged. We had no idea that it was Kansas was going to be one of them. Eventually, Kansas was, and on this day, 
it seems that Kansas is front and center in the college basketball scandal and stands to lose as much as any program in in, in the scandal. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, obviously, Blair, and there's a lot of different threads to pull on and a lot of, uh, I've heard, tributaries that it goes down with this announcement, but very clear, uh, you know, how you view this, it depends on your school loyalty. How you view this depends on um, whether you are a KU fan, a K-State fan, a Duke fan, a Missouri fan. Um, The rest of the nation outside of our little bubble, um, um, the bubble that I live in in Lawrence, I guess, and see with KU fans on Twitter, I think have a very different reaction to this uh, than KU fans do. But the bottom line here, more than anything, and people asking me today, like, what does this mean for Kansas? It's bad news. I mean, there's there's really no way around KU, even with a best case scenario, it's going to be bad news for the basketball program, which means so much to so many people. But as you mentioned, this does seem to be part of an overall landscape of college basketball that uh, an undercurrent is happening in this game, and yet even though it's happening in 26 different rooms or 52 different rooms or 352 different rooms, the light got turned on on Kansas. And so the NCAA is coming very strong with these level one violations and saying, look, somebody else might be doing it. But the text messages, the wiretaps, the things that came out in trial, those relate to Kansas. So um, I think that's a difficult pill for a lot of people to swallow. In some ways, it's just KU sort of being unfortunate in this whole matter that they were the ones being wiretapped. But there is no way to paint this as anything other than bad news for Kansas, because even in the best case scenarios that we can think of, uh, those still end up with major ramifications for this basketball program. There doesn't seem to be any disputing evidence against Kansas. The dispute might come in the interpretation of the evidence against Kansas. Is that is, is that a fair assessment? I would say so. And you read very forceful statements, and I think that's maybe a place to start with this, is that Douglas Gerard, the chancellor, Jeff Long, the athletic director, Bill Self's two lawyers, Bill Self himself, all came out a lot of times with NCAA cases, and you know this as well as anybody, Blair, covering college basketball and college athletics for as long as you have. It's a self-policing organization. So the purpose of it basically is if you have wrongdoing, you're supposed to report the wrongdoing, self-report it, come you know, begging the NCAA saying, we're going to report this, we're going to self-report these violations, and please, we're going to give this punishment, please accept it. That's not what Kansas is doing here. They're not banging for mercy. They're coming out and saying, hey, we got some boxing gloves. Where's the ring? You know what I'm saying? So that's very different in this matter because Kansas seems ready for a fight. And so uh, the big picture of this, if, if you look for Bill Self and what his statement was in that, he basically said, look, the NCAA has overreached here and I am happy to be punished for whatever is factually correct and can be proven as fact. And so we know a lot of what was said in these text messages, and I think a lot of people reading them from the outside would say, hey, you can put these dots together. What Bill Self is saying is, you can't put the dots together. You have to have facts to allege major violations. And if you don't have those, you don't have a case. And so this is partly why uh, a lot of people that uh, we've been speaking with, you know, whether that's uh, Jay Billis or uh, Mike DeCourcy, I heard him on the radio today uh, here in Kansas City on 810. Um, Those people, have a lot of them have talked about, hey, this might end up in federal court. This could be a long drawn out battle where the NCAA can't just levy its own rules and be safe with it. Because again, Kansas is ready to fight this to the end. They're not just going to accept a punishment, they're going to fight the punishment. And so I think that is sort of where you're at with this case is that, um, will the, is the NCAA in good enough standing? Are they in good enough place here to prove those allegations that they made in the notice of allegations since Kansas and have that hold up 
in a court that is outside their jurisdiction. That might be what we face here down the road. This might not be a story that goes away anytime soon. A lot of the evidence that the NCAA has is provided by the FBI. Yes. That makes this different than uh, than a typical NCAA case. It is it is the result of wiretapping and, uh, and, and other FBI interviews, testimony. That, you know, I, to me, that suggests less wiggle room or less uh, to be left open to interpretation, and I, I guess that's, and, and that doesn't bode well for Kansas, than it would be if this were a typical NCAA brings, you know, its investigative team onto the campus and starts asking around. I, I, liked, I liked what you said earlier and agree that it, it is analogous to, a, a you know, Kansas putting on the gloves and getting in the ring, but I think the NCAA is in the ring with its gloves as well. Yes. And that's, um, the NCAA has a lot at stake here as, also. I mean, they have, the NCAA's reputation is, is on the line. The NCAA's power structure is on the line here. They have, you know, seven level one violations, five against the basketball program and two against the football program. That adds, that could, you know, if Kansas doesn't defend itself, that adds up to, you know, a lot of, a lot of punishment for, for one university. I think Kansas felt like it had to match you know, it, it had to come out aggressively on this. Yeah, and basically what you're looking at is the NCAA, I don't, want, I don't know if I should say chose Kansas, but this is a major moment. I mean, this is a big moment in the NCAA history because if this doesn't hold up for the NCAA, if they find rulings against Kansas and whatever higher court decides, no, Kansas doesn't have to go with that or, or that's not a just ruling, the NCAA loses a lot of power. And so you kind of have to go into this thinking, what are the ramifications? And I'm sure the NCAA has done that with this. But once again, as you mentioned earlier, Blair, because there are wiretaps, because there are text messages, because there is actual documentary evidence here, I think the NCAA feels better about this case than maybe it would have previously when it sort of had to even put more pieces together to come up with a case against certain universities. I, and again, and we can talk about the North Carolina you know, academic fraud where, hey, that really didn't end up in the NCAA's purview because it was more of an academic issue. I mean, this is, this is sort of wheelhouse NCAA here. This is um, Adidas representatives now being classified as boosters that are working on behalf of the, the, you know, the athletic program to bring recruits in and pay families, those sorts of things. So um, if they can't hold up on this one, they're going to have a lot of trouble holding up on ones in the future. So uh, this is just kind of a fascinating case because uh, if this one goes down for Kansas and Kansas is, gets all these sanctions, well, guess who's next? You know, Arizona's next and all these other ones that were wrapped up in the same case as well. And the NCAA can sort of start to grab some power back that it seems to have lost. But if they don't win this one, the future for the NCAA, I don't want to overstate it, but uh, if it doesn't have any power, the future of the NCAA very much could be at stake because um, if, it, if it holds no power over these schools and those, these schools win in the court of law, uh, then there's not much left of the NCAA. No, um, and look, and this is, this is sort of why, this case specifically is why the NCAA rule book exists for recruiting violations. That's why the NCAA manual is, well, at one time it was- <laughs> A lot of pages, I can tell you from experience. Hundreds and hundreds of pages. A lot of pages. Because basically to address recruiting violations, and that's what's, that's at the heart of the matter here, uh, recruiting violations, when it comes to two players specifically, right? Yeah, Billy Preston and Sylvia DeSosa, even though they were redacted in the document, um, those were who got brought up at trial, and those were obviously the ones that were uh, listed in the notice of allegations here. Now, there's some other ones in there. Uh, they mentioned the DeAndre Ayton part where um, TJ Gasnola had said he let Bill Self down 
Zion because he hadn't gotten Dayton to go to Kansas. And uh, it also seems Zion Williamson as well made an appearance in there because we know about the Curtis Townsend text messages to say, um, you know, allegedly he would do what it took to get Zion to campus or potentially would look into that. Again, all open to interpretation because I'm sure that lawyers will look at that and say, hey, that doesn't mean exactly he would do it. It just said he potentially would look into things and that doesn't mean money, you know, all those sorts of things. That that gray area is where Kansas stands right now. I mean, they're saying, look, come prove it. Come prove it. And that's going to be the lawyer's stance here is that like, I don't care if it looks like something. I don't care if it seems like something. I care what it is. And if you can't prove what it is, then uh, you don't really have a case. Now, that's how it works in court. You know, that's how it works in the real world. Does it work that way in the NCAA? I'm not sure. And if it doesn't, and, and KU gets all these sanctions, then again, we might have a higher court that has to take a look at this. I'll tell you what I think about, Jesse, when I, when, when I consider this story and in, in the, in the situation that Kansas is in. We mentioned two years ago, the FBI uh, just surprised the sports world by announcing that it was investigating, you know, it had spent the last previous years wiretapping and, and uh, digging into the, the, the dirty underbelly of college basketball. So from that, the NCAA decided to, Mark Emmert, the, the NCAA executive director, decided to, you know, get tough, he created the Rice Commission, the Condoleezza Rice Commission. And, 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 and that group Put together uh, a list of uh, a list of changes, suggested changes, which the NCAA accepted, and some of those are creating um, you know more opportunities for student athletes, but also kind of clamping down and trying to uh, rid college basketball of outside influences that aren't you know that are financial in nature and not you know parental or coaching in nature. So uh, so we so we some we see some of that now in NCAA sanctioned summer basketball leagues. One of them is at Wichita State this mm-hmm. summer, right? Um, so the NCAA wants to has for the last couple of years wanted to appear and then start acting tough and 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 cracking down on the culture of of college basketball. This to me is this is the story that's out front for the NCAA. That we, we we spoke earlier the importance of this to the NCAA. We know it's important. You know it's it's the most important thing for Kansas. M- more than half of Kansas's athletic funding comes from men's basketball. One of the very few, right? But it's that important to the NCAA. I'm not saying to make an example of Kansas, but to just to prove that. You know, it can talk the talk as well, walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And, you know, and, and all it's done in the last two years to kind of take back college basketball from the, you know, the, the, the street agents, the, the apparel folks, that there's teeth in that. And we'll, we'll see. We'll, look, maybe some of that hinges on the outcome of, of Kansas. But th- that's what I think about when I, when I consider this case and whatever's coming against uh, in, in Louisville or Arizona and others. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say teeth is exactly the way I'd put it. Does the NCAA have teeth? This is going to say yes, or this is going to say no. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Blair, you know, some of the major ramifications too here for Kansas. So uh, we talked about this, you know, this will most likely not affect this basketball season because right. this I was, takes. I was going to ask you about the timeline. Yeah, this this here. takes a, a long while. You know, ninety days for KU to respond, sixty days for the NCAA to respond back to it, and they set up, um, you know, a hearing. So this year's season most likely not impacted, but what it will impact is recruiting. Um, KU, I think, has already seen some of this in the last couple of years, as we've seen KU. Bill Self basically 
convinced his really good players to come back rather than adding a bunch of new players. And after this year, they're going to lose a lot of good players. I mean, if you look at Devon Dotson, Yudoka Azabuki, Sylvia DeSosa, I mean, you can go down the line, a lot of guys, potential one and dones like Jalen Wilson, they're going to have to restock a roster and they're going to have a program that is most likely in limbo. So that is going to continue to follow them as, mu- as long as a potential postseason ban is in the cards. And then um, we also, again, would, would be remiss if we didn't mention Bill Self in all this because it sure seems like he is determined to fight this until there's a resolution. Um, and as we mentioned, Jeff Long, Douglas Gerard, the athletic director and chancellor for Kansas, have stood behind him publicly in statements to say that they support him in the basketball program. Once this all goes down, whenever the fighting is over, you know, he could potentially have a suspension from the NCAA. He potentially could have a multi-year postseason ban or a single-year postseason ban. When it's all done and over with, what happens to Bill Self? And it's not an answer we have right now, and it's not an answer we can really see in the future with our crystal balls yet. But uh, I think that perhaps more than anything for Kansas basketball fans, I mean, postseason bans are awful, but what happens with Bill Self? That's a question we can't answer, but that's a question that I think is at the forefront of most fans' minds. And Kansas basketball is uh, proud, uh, tradition-rich. Uh, the deep history is uh, respects the you know the, the the symbolism of the game, and you know it's you're often reminded that James Naismith you know was you know, was the first coach, and Fog Allen, the father of basketball coaching. What I'm getting at is they like their banners at at Allen Fieldhouse, and I know that in the grand scheme of things, this pales in comparison, but also at risk for Kansas. And if, if you ask me today, I would lean toward this happening. Banners will come down uh, for this. I mean, Silvio de Sosa uh, would, could end up being ruled ineligible from the, from the you know, the, the Kansas used an ineligible player, Silvio de Sosa, in 17-18. Was he 17 games that year? Or yeah, so, second half of the season, yeah. Which included their, their – as I recall, the lead eight victory over Duke, which sent them there. He had a good game. That also, way. their 14th straight uh, Big 12 championship in the regular season. Uh, he was the all tournament. He was a member of the all tournament team at the Big 12 tournament. He played well in the NCAA. So all those go into the record book as vacated. Yeah, and I think if you give truth serum to KU fans, if that was all that came about. <laughs> they could take it. You run. lived it. You know, you lived it. You saw it. I'm, and it's not raised from my memory. A banner doesn't have to go up uh, for me to remember what happened. So I think K fans will gladly take that. But I mentioned earlier, like a best case scenario for Kansas, if I'm crafting this out, is probably that this thing gets tied up in courts, it goes to district court, or, you know, federal court, and eventually that KU, you know, has a court that says the NCAA overstepped its bounds. But even in that best case scenario, we're talking years and years and years of this thing dragging on and this gray cloud just not going away. And also, the gray cloud not, cloud not going away, but again, with recruiting, I mean, if Kansas wants to be the program that it's been, it's very difficult to do that when you have this thing that just will not go away and does not have a resolution. All right, Jesse, thanks for, for stopping by. We will stay in touch and we will keep up with this story and it's not going away anytime soon. It will not. I appreciate it, Blair. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes on kansascity.com, and Chief Stories also can be accessed on the Red Zone Extra app. Big thanks to Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for putting together today's show. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode.